Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. You're listening to episode 184, and tonight we are covering the top five horror movies of 2005. Um, so Frank, uh, what's going on with 2005 in your mind? Looks like a lot of shit to me. Yeah, a bunch of trash. Yeah. Um, the success of things like The Ring, um, caused there to be a kind of boom in studio horror film. So you get things like, um, Boogeyman and, uh, Skeleton Key and, um, what else is here? Is the Fog remake this year? I think maybe. Uh, I didn't see that, but it's possible. Um, there's the, that the new Ring Exorcist. Too. Well, that's, yeah. There's yeah. a new Exorcist movie, um, Emily Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Fog is this year. I just looked it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, Hide and Seek, one of your favorite mm-hmm. movies is this year. Hostel mm-hmm. comes out this year. The House of Wax remakes comes out this year. Right. Yes. Um, so there's a decent amount of things that are either sequels and or remakes. Yeah. Land of the Dead. Um, gets a Land of the Dead. Yeah. Right. Alone in the Dark was this year. Alone in the Dark is this year. I mean, that's because of a horror movie. White Noise. There's two Return of the Living Dead movies that are this year. Um... The second Saw movie is this year. Uh, I don't know. There's a bunch of shit. Yeah. So, making this list was... We're not going to say difficult. I mean, there was a couple of things I would have put on here. Like, there's um, there's a couple of Tomei movies. Tomei is a horror series in Japan. Um, it's a body horror series um, based on Junji Ito. The guy that's the behind um, Uzumaki and um, okay, hmm. what else is his? Uh, Uzumaki's like the the big thing, I guess. But right, um, bunch of like short stories and like horror manga. Um, there's a Thai movie called um, Art of the Devil that I has some good stuff in it, but it's a little too extreme for me. Hmm. Um. Jesus, the Amityville Horror remake is this year. God, There's a sequel yeah. to 2000 Maniacs called 2001 Maniacs. Maniacs. Yeah, yes. with uh, Robert England. Robert England. That's a terrible movie. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not a big fan of Herschel Gordon Lewis in general, but some of his stuff is okay. Um, but 2001 Maniacs is um god awful. Anyway. Actually, what? I mean, is that Saul that you're starting to get? More like you said, like you know, there was like that one movie, the time movie was too extreme for you. You're starting to get some more extremity, like you know, or like extremes, like uh, what? Uh, uh the title Ty- was this year, you know, and Saw 2. And so the Asian extreme is different to me than the American extreme, mm-hmm. like stuff like Saw, the Saw series, and Hostel. Um, they still feel very produced, even if they're just like graphically like gross. Mm-hmm. Um, the Asian, like, extreme, extreme stuff seems like underground, and I don't know, it's a little more disturbing, like, it's harder to watch, in my opinion. Um, thanks. So, the one, so a couple movies that actually almost made the list, um, like I said, I considered putting the Tomei movies on there, Mm -hmm. but we didn't talk about the first Tomei movie, and I didn't really feel like explaining a whole lot, so I just left that off. Um, although if those first like three Tomei movies are really good and I think there's six or so maybe um, I thought about putting Constantine on the list and then I forgot about it and then when you brought it up tonight I had to retcon my opinion and say that I didn't consider it a horror movie so what do you consider it again? well I don't remember what I said mystical fantasy or something <laughs> right yeah I stand by it um there's a Japanese movie, and I couldn't remember if I liked it or not, called um, uh, Kakurenbo. Oh, okay. Um, That's not the one I was going to ask you about, but okay. But it's a short film, and yeah. I didn't know if we could find it anywhere to watch it, but I remember, I, I kind of remember liking it, but I, I don't mm. really remember a huge amount about it. Um, there's another extreme ja- extreme horror called Meatball Machine, which it's pretty well regarded and like pretty infamous i guess but to me it's just it's not my cup of tea it's a little too um 
a little too gross. Uh, there's a sequel to One Miss Call on here, which um, isn't even directed by what's his name, Mikay, and so like, what's the point? Right. Um, Ginger, yeah. dead, Ginger Dead Man was this year, um, but it's you, true. You discussed that on. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we had, we've we've yes, given Ginger yeah. Dead Man its due. One of the ones I was going to ask you about is uh, No Roy the Curse. I thought you liked that movie. Is that 2005? I didn't see that yeah, on the list. Anyway. I saw it on Google. Yeah, that's 2005. Mm, I thought that was later than that. I do like that movie. Oh yeah, it does say 2005. Well, we'll do a deep dive on that someday because I really okay. do enjoy that movie. Um, I didn't see it on the list, so I didn't put it on there. Yeah, I didn't look to see if it was on Wiki or anything. Um, weird that that didn't show up. I wonder yeah, if it's because I think you had me watch it during COVID. If I remember, I did. Yeah. yeah, I like it a lot. Um, yeah. So, also, I wanted to ask you. I thought you liked the. Maybe you just thought it was better. The Dominion, the um, the recut. Wow, oh, but that's still not a good movie. Oh, okay. I mean, it's better than the friggin', whatever the fucking original is called. But, I mean, what's my what's my my usual gross analogy? Like, a solid poop is better yes. than diarrhea, but poop yes. is still poop. Right. Yes. Oh. Right. Uh, there's one that I've never seen before. Uh, the cave. I is that the one where they dig down into the earth and like unleash no like hell or something like that? No idea. Let me look it up. Oh yeah, Cole Hauser and shit. Um, oh, have I seen that? You have, I think. <laughs> Cole Hauser is the thing that I remember. Um, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. Maybe I have them. Oh, like I've seen a lot of Cole um, around this time. I have vague memories of this movie. I think I watched it in the theater. Yeah. Um. Not good. I mean, it's a twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes. If that tells you anything, hmm, right. Um, and it's a C minus on Cinema Score. So if an audience hates it, then you know, probably trash. And yeah. I can tell you, it is a hundred percent trash. Like it's not a good movie. Yeah. Uh, I thought about came watching out this year too. Yeah, I don't consider that a horror movie either. <laughs> um, what, what do you classify that? As? That's a sci-fi. Oh, okay. just just it's sci-fi, sci-fi video game adaptation. Okay, it's like <laughs> Constantine is a right a comic mystical book mystical right. fantasy comic book adaptation. Right? Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I don't. I mean, that's fine. Look, it's I, I, video game adaptation slash sci-fi. I, I get, love I love Hellraiser or Hellblazer. I keep mm-hmm. I, I can't believe I fucked that up twice tonight. I love Hellblazer. I don't know if I ever considered Hellblazer a horror comic. I I'm just fucking with you. I mean, I I would I think there I are mean, horror so, elements yeah, at yeah, times yeah. to it, but it's yeah. but ultimately it's about like magic and I don't know. It's yeah. like Sandman. I don't consider Sandman a horror comic. I don't sure. consider Swamp Thing a horror comic, even though all of those comic books have like distinct horror elements to them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, there was there was oops. some Vertigo stuff that was definitely horror comics. Mm-hmm. But like Constantine is in the world of like Batman and Martian Manhunter and shit. You know what I mean? Like, right? That's I don't know. To me, that doesn't. Same thing with Swamp Thing. Same thing with you know. I mean, I know gaming kind of pulled Morpheus away from that, but there still is elements of like the superhero world and in, in Sandman too. So yeah, and you consider Hard Candy just a thriller, right? Pretty horrific. That was that was two thousand five. Yep. This fucking wiki list is awful. I mean, we we have already talked about in depth hard candy back a uh, hundred episodes ago. Right? Um, yeah, in episode eighty four, top five thrillers of the two thousands. So, if anybody wants to hear about hard candy, you can go back in the archives in episode eighty four, or just go watch it because it's pretty much oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I've completely forgot about white noise. Oh, you know what? Google shows no Roy. Yeah, that's where I saw it. Yep. I wonder if there's anything else I missed because of shit-ass Wikipedia's list. 
Uh, I don't know if Go Google's isn't much better most of the time. Um, I think Google misses shit or miss what? What would be the year? Like, what if you rather than misname somebody? What is if you fuck up a year? Misstate? Okay. I don't know. I don't know, but I'll I'll take I'll, I'll accept that. It's <laughs> Um, misdate, yes. I, I also think they misdate things um, as well. Oh, all right. So you want to just go ahead and jump in then? Yeah, let's do it. Well, the first movie here on your list, number five, you've already mentioned briefly, is uh, Cello. It is directed by Lee Wu Chol. It stars Sung Yun Ah, let's see, Chung Ho Bin, and Jin Ji Hee. It has no rating on from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 44% from audiences. So um, you want to tell us uh, why you put this on the list? Well, let's talk about that. Um, because I thought it was a different movie. Uh-huh. Um, there's another Korean horror movie that also revolves around um, music or something. I don't know. And I, I, I have this vague memory of like some scenes in it and I really yeah. enjoyed it. And I saw this on there. I was like, "All oh, right, cello. That movie's really good." Uh -huh. And then I put off watching this until the last night. And when I started watching it last night, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I've seen this movie before, but I do not like this movie at all. Mm. I don't know if I hate it, but <laughs> I don't think it's any good. So, um, I don't know. I mean, you like. It's a revenge movie, kind of, but it's also like a um, morality play, which the Koreans are really big on. Um, similar in, well, not that that was Korean, but we watched that Acacia movie. Right. Oh, no, that is Korean. Yeah, we watched Acacia a couple months ago for, what, 2003, I think it was. I believe so, yeah. Um, very similar, where it's like the entire movie is kind of told from a unreliable narrator perspective, yep. and then you find out that the person is basically just kind of reliving a terrible event and being cursed for it. Um, which is what the premise of Cello is: is this like what did I call her, the Korean Aubrey Plaza? Yeah. Um, who's just kind of an asshole that has this false narrative in her mind that she was like this really talented cellist basically and her friend was jealous of her and there was this accident and her friend died and um, now the ghost is haunting her but then you find out later that it was really her that was the less talented and she caused her friend to die and now the ghost is still haunting her but it's because of revenge and not whatever anyway yeah. Um it's got really bad special effects. Um I found it, it to be kind of laughable most of the time. Um I think that if you watch something like the original Juan movies um from the late 90s, you can see where a lack of like budget and um technical like prowess can be overcome by good um mood setting and pacing and mm -hmm. I think this movie is just kind of silly most of the time. It's just people like yelling and playing terrible cello music. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of the movie is the student who hates the teacher. Uh -huh. um, the main character, who, the protagonist who ends up becoming like ultimately the antagonist of the movie. Yeah. Um, just how much of a bitch she is. Like just a complete asshole. Mm -hmm. Like every time somebody's like, well, you're a professor. And she's like, Psh okay some professor like i don't know it just made me laugh like every time it happened but yeah um I, I didn't think it was as bad as you do um i i didn't think it was great or good maybe even but um i think it's watchable and i think there's a couple like decent sequences um in it like i think the the birthday scene that ends up like you know repeating um in it is like a, a decent little sequence um that is interesting and um oh jesus there was another scene that i like thought like was well well filmed and kind of creepy um but yeah i mean once you're kind of familiar with these like you said like you know uh once you're familiar with these kind of like morality tales as you said like that come uh, 
I've seen a lot now from Korea. Like, no. you kind of just, it kind of like is just like okay, like I get it. Um, I mean, Acacia's not has, similar in terms of like story, but similar right. in terms of tone. Yes, much much better. In, yes, you know, well, in every better, aspect, better filmed. Yeah, I mean, better, better filmed, better acting, better special effects. I feel like it's a better story. It's just. I don't, I w- I need to find out at some point what movie I thought this was mm-hmm. because that movie was really good, but I have no idea. And this was a time period where I was watching, yeah, Jesus, I don't know, probably like eight to ten horror movies a week, yeah, um, and maybe more than that, I don't know, and, and sometimes definitely more than that. And this, I saw this movie. I think I own this movie on DVD, but um, I I do not like it. So yeah, um, that's why it's the number five. It's free on YouTube if anybody wants to watch it. Here's the other thing too: it's so bad when you search for this movie on YouTube, it's like the fiftieth result. Like unless you're very specific, no, because I searched for cello movie. I can't remember. It wasn't until I changed it to cello korean horror that it then mm. was like the like I did, even I, yeah i just even cello even then, 2005 full movie and got it. even then there was still a trailer in front of it and like yeah i got a trailer in front of it um the music from it like played on like a loop over like two hours <laughs> so probably should have watched that instead <laughs> oh all right so, number four on your list is The Descent, directed by Neil Marshall. It stars Shauna McDonald, Natalie Mendoza, Alex Reed, and Saskia Mulder. It has an 86% from critics and a 76% from audiences. You want to tell us just a little bit about this and why I made the list? So, this movie I enjoyed a little more. Um, <laughs> this is a, it's a story of a group of women um, who are friends, who are... Um, basically going to kind of provide support and give some release to their friend um, Sarah whose family was killed in a car accident Um, so they're going to do I guess spelunking is what you would call it um, cave exploration um, in the Appalachian Mountains Um, they go down to the caves they get increasingly further down and they realize that they're not alone um, so not only are they at risk from like the elements of like these dangerous dark caves, um, but there's also a group of, I don't know what you would call them, like blind albino, like cannibal creatures that are semi-human, um, that are stalking the women through the cave. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's what I think is honestly like the most brilliant part of the movie, which is the way that um, Marshall films uh, in the claustrophobic environments and kind of makes you feel um, claustrophobic as a result. Um, And also just the character design, I think is really brilliant or the creature design. I'm sorry. is really brilliant too. Um, I love the way the creatures look. Um, I don't think there's much to this movie beyond like those two things. Like I think that the characters they do a they try to flesh them out and build the relationships between them. But I think ultimately it's the claustrophobic feel of like being inside those caves. Um because it doesn't feel like a set ever. It feels like like credit to the set designer or whatever that you feel right. like you're stuck in there with them. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Um and I think the creatures are always like pretty cool and yeah menacing and it, it reminds me there's an hp lovecraft story um the thing in the cave maybe is even what it's called or something like that it's basically this like this is this but stretched out to an hour and a half long movie instead of a you know like 15 page short story or whatever um much better though than the sequel to the movie which then does really expound upon um the characters and stuff and comes back to find uh juno is still alive and that they have to save her and then there's like 
the whole like cheating aspect or whatever is kind of like comes to the sur- I don't know. It's it's much too convoluted. Um, I enjoy this movie much more because it's just very much, even though like those relationship things are there, I find them to be kind of unnecessary, but I think you can sort of like focus on the visual and like ten, tense elements of the movie and just kind of like let yourself go in there. And I think it's pretty effective in that, in that respect. So yeah. I think once they're in the cave, it's fine. Um, I didn't feel a connection, like watching it again, I realized like, I didn't feel a connection to any of those characters whatsoever, and I thought like all the banter and relationship stuff was just kind of they were. Tr- I think he was trying to elevate Har before Har got elevated, and it just didn't work very well. Um, I'm not a big like a uh, ten minutes in you need to have like the inciting incident or anything, but it's like it's 25 minutes before they get to this fucking cave, um, and that's a long time. That's a long yeah. Time. So once they were in the cave, I was fine. Like so, like the last like hour and ten minutes or whatever. But I mean, I thought like a drug watching it again. Um, Again, I think that. So you're right. I think he does the same thing with dog soldiers, right? Sure. It's it's about. I thought it worked a bit better there, but yeah. See, I I kind of feel the opposite. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, I get the idea that you. You don't, you're not just making a sh- like a whatever like a short film like you have to fill an hour and a half's worth yeah. of, of time and I think that it kind of like lets that twist at the end um you know, it'd be kind of cool not cool but like it's it's interesting to see her abandon Juno you know as kind of like a way to punish her and also like get away herself like it kind of yeah it makes her not necessarily like a clean protagonist, really. Sure. You know, even though that's why I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, the problem is that when you get back into it in the second movie, um, it makes it worse in a lot of ways. Like because mm-hmm. then you have to root for both of them, and they're both kind of awful. So I don't know. Oh, really? See, I I still haven't seen the second one, and um, I ended up having to rent the first one. So um, I thought it was free somewhere, but it wasn't. Um, at least not free for Chris, and I um, so I didn't watch the second one yet. When it, I can't I'll remember watch it someday when it comes up somewhere. I can't remember where it is. It, it, I mean, it's free for me somewhere, or at least it was like a year ago. That's I think that's when I watched it. Was about a year ago, the second one. Yeah, um, I mean, things change so often every month now, like because it's a, a shell game among the streamers, so. Um, it's not any, it's on some kind of premium shit right now, but, um, because if you look at, like, YouTube, Hulu, like, you know, Amazon premium subscription is required, so maybe it's on, who knows, Showtime or, you know, something like that, um, stars. I'm not sure, but usually those show up if it's on one of those, so it's got some weird shit. I would, I would argue so. I would argue that um that even though it has its flaws, I think it's a really important movie to watch from this time period. Um, just because Marshall really was one of the first directors that was trying to like push the genre to be more than just whatever. Yeah. Like a remake right. of The Fog, you know, like he was trying to do something more. And I, sure. I think there's some really good visual um I think he makes good use of, of the environment to film some really striking scenes and um good use of like light and dark and you know and i'm just yeah. i think it's effective even if it's not like it's it's, it's flawed but effective i guess is the best way yeah. to put it yeah it's gonna be interesting because I mean, there's an element of this i guess we'll come back to in a couple of movies um that you and i have discussed off and on for close to 20 years but yeah and you're wrong so you'll be wrong again this evening <laughs> mate mate you don't know me i do know <laughs> you uh, maybe you don't what have you changed your maybe, mind maybe uh, i mean no yeah i mean we talked about it uh a year ago so um right. don't remember because you don't listen to me ever um <clears throat> talk about it on the podcast always say morose um <laughs> 
know. Yeah, I mean, I think that a sense worth watching is just like on a rewatch um, after years now. Um, is like uh, I I just wasn't digging the 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 length of that beginning um, opening. I think it could possibly for casual horror fans like really kind of turn people off by how long it goes on. Um, sure, but once it gets down there, I I like it. It's good. Um, all right. So number three in the list is um a American remake, Dark Water, directed by Walter Salas. It stars Jennifer Connelly, John C. Riley, Tim Roth, and Pete Postlethwaite. Has a forty-seven percent from critics and a twenty-eight percent from audiences. Um, you want to just refresh us a little bit because we talked about Dark Water in O two, the Japanese original. Um, just refresh us a little bit on the story and um, why this also made your list. Well, I think it's a pretty different story than um, the Japanese movie in a lot of ways. Um, but I guess the basic premise is there where it's a single mother newly separated from her husband um, who has to move into a inexpensive apartment to care for her daughter. Um, the apartment is run down and in the bad part of town. Um, omnipresent, like ever present uh, water all over the place, like in the elevator in her, their bedroom, um, place is just generally kind of like mildewy looking and like gross um strained relationship with the father who wants custody of the daughter um the mother has financial struggles and um on top of that they start to see like the apparition of a young girl inside the apartment building um the daughter becomes like imaginary friends with the girl um ultimately what you find out is that the girl was killed um accidentally uh drowned in the water tower of the apartment um was abandoned by her family and now she haunts the place looking for a mother to take care of her um which is what the jennifer Connolly character eventually decides to become um to sacrifice herself to the ghost to let her daughter live and that's how the the basic premise and those those mm-hmm. things are the same between the two movies what i find really interesting about this movie is and Frankie and I were talking about this um, earlier tonight because he watched it with me today. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the character in the Japanese version is a lot more interesting than Jennifer Connelly because she struggles with being a good mother. Right. Um, She has a lot of, she has a lot of flaws to her that she wants to be a good mother, but she can't get out of her own way sometimes. And she's got, you know, issues with being prompt with picking her daughter up and she has issues with really just kind of like taking care of her own life. Um, so when she has the ability to sacrifice herself to save her daughter and to provide some kind of like relief to this like tortured spirit of this poor like dead girl, the sacrifice is noble, but there's also a self-serving element to it because she's kind of almost like relieving herself of the burden of being a mother to a living child where Mm -hmm. she can more easily be the mother to a dead child and know that she can provide her living child with a better life without having to admit that that's what she's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's like really complex and interesting in, in the Japanese version. Whereas Jennifer Connelly a couple times has some things happen where she's a little late picking her daughter up, but it's not her fault like and it's explained that it's not her fault and she's immediately absolved of the fact that she was late picking her daughter up right right and they make it much more about jennifer Connolly's tortured childhood uh-huh. and the relation how that relates to the the childhood of the girl that died uh-huh. um so that the sacrifice is completely selfless right there's no selfish element to the sacrifice at all. It's completely Jennifer Connelly, who's been a good person and reconciled with the ex-husband in a lot of ways. And she's getting her life together and they're going to do the right thing. She's not like a, a mess of a person that has like complexity and whatever. She's just Jennifer Connelly, right? She gets migraines and that's it. Like that's the one sure. thing that she, yeah. she has against her. Um. Also like a lot of, so and like i'm 
I, I might sound like I'm shitting on this movie. I think this movie is really well done. And I think it's an interesting character. I think it's an interesting drama with a slight horror element to it, as opposed to a horror movie with some dramatic elements to it, which is what the Japanese version is. The, the ghost is never scary. I don't think in this movie, she's never menacing or, you know, the, the the dead girl in the Japanese dark water with the yellow slicker, like standing at the end of the hall. Like that's, those are creepy, you know, and phasing in and out of existence and shit like that. Like that's really creepy shit. This, this girl is just occasionally there and (laughs) occasionally there behind like the, the shower, like door. Um, and, or, just or, sitting on the couch, right? We're just like, sitting on the couch, and when you get a close up of her, and I, I'm not trying to shit on this like little kid, but it's like, it's 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 too weird of a face to be scary, like at all. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Like, so there's like even even if you just have like she's too corporeal or something like that. That's true. Yeah. Well, she's she she got she got fat ghost syndrome. <laughs> right. Yes. Like most um most american horror ghosts right but i don't think that's the point i mean the point is more about the jennifer connelly character sacrifice to save her daughter right yeah um p postlewaite is great in it john c Riley is great in it john c Riley, a fantastic comedic turn as that scumbag yeah um, scumbag yeah um building manager or whatever yeah rental agent um, I like Tim Roth a lot as uh-huh. her lawyer, which is a character that's basically new. Yeah, for this, for I mean, not new because that character exists, but like expounded upon and yeah. like made a more central character right. in the movie. And you get a mom sighting. Um, at one yeah. point, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, as his like informant or whatever mm-hmm. spy. Yeah. Um, I think they do a really good job of making the city a character in this movie. Um. I think this, uh, those tenement buildings of whatever, um, Long Island or wherever they are, Roosevelt Island is much more menacing than it is in the original Dark Water. Um, I think that, I think that Salas, is that how you say it? Sales? I don't know. Salas, yeah. Salas, um, really captures like the visual. Like the dankness and murkiness, and uses it as a metaphor to like what's going on in Connolly's life, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like everywhere. Like, mm-hmm. so that's another thing that I think kind of elevates the original above this movie in slight ways is that the world is clean and bright and normal outside of the apartment building in the Japanese version. Like, the school, you know the lawyer's office her job like all these places are normal it's when they get into this house when they get into the apartment building where everything becomes like claustrophobic and dark and dank and here i swear to god it's right it, i don't know it's it's raining like every single second of the day right yes and everywhere is dirty and grimy yeah, and it's... maybe that's just maybe that's just the u.s i mean that might be, actually just be true but it kind of like lessens the impact of it when they're in the apartment building yeah i also think that there's a really weird um element of the story where there's these two like teenage boys that are basically like threatening to rape her a few times yes um and they maybe were hired by the ex like her ex-husband Mm-hmm. But that's never a hundred percent like confirmed that that's the case, and she might just be paranoid, um, which I think is like it's effective in its own way because it kind of like puts you on edge too, like with her. Mm-hmm. But it also is, I think, really unnecessary to have that element. It's like an, it doesn't add anything to it, really. No, I mean it just takes up ten minutes of the story, and it's just yes. weird. Yeah, and you could have done something else with that ten minutes, or just cut it out because it's a pretty long movie anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, Connolly is really good in it. The little girl that plays her daughter is really good. Yes. Um, like I said, Possilwate, Roth, and Riley are great. Mm-hmm. You know, um, supporting actors and really like do a lot to 
to elevate this movie, I think, beyond just like a an unnecessary remake. And I think it is really like, even though I prefer kind of the pathos of the mother in the original, I think it's an interesting take to re-examine that character and make her softer um, to make it more of kind of like to give it like a like a more hopeful element i guess or whatever you know to make her more of a um sainted care I, I don't know how to say what i'm trying to say but like to take away kind of that like dark element to that character and sort of just make her a, a hero yeah um, it's an interesting take on it i mean it's it's a, it's just a, it's americanizing it i mean right. like it's taking away the complexity i think of of that original but i mean it still works overall I mean, you already touched on the main criticism of this movie from audiences, which is everybody saying that it's like not a not a horror movie and that it's just a family drama. And it's kind of they think it's kind of a dull family drama on top of it. It's certainly not the horror that they expected it to be. I mean, that's the thing is, I think they felt and it's interesting because. The director is Brazilian and um, he did the interesting did you ever see his take on On the Road that comes out like no. a couple years after this? No. Um, it's pretty decent, and I'm not a huge Kerouac fan, so whatever, but I thought the movie was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't do that much American, like, English-language movies aside from those. And yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if it's not, like, almost del Toroized in the sense mm-hmm. that maybe maybe didn't un- didn't trusted american audiences could understand the complexity of that character and had to pad out the story with other things to kind of minimize the amount of time you spend with her directly i guess i I wonder if that was not what happened here um anyway it's worth watching it is Um, is it free anywhere i had to pay for it um i believe yeah i did as well i believe um i had to pay for it was only like three dollars, so I just yeah yeah it. right yeah I had I did have to pay for it yeah um yeah the other the next two are free but, uh yeah I mean we saw this did we see this together when it came out in oh five mm-hmm. so I saw Maybe. it in the theater so I almost had it probably have been with you I can't imagine that was like a Monday night Monday night movie club thing so um I remember liking it back then I think I. I still, I still like it. I, I think I liked it better when it first came out. Um, I was actually really surprised by it because you had had me watch uh, Dark Water by that point, like the original. Um, and then this came out. But yeah, I think it still holds up and I still think it's a fine movie. And you're right, I think it's elevated by the performances in the movie um, considerably. Um, yeah. But. And honestly, like... It- this year is so weird because there's so many so many movies where you would say like any other year maybe not but right um this year you know hey anything goes i guess so. <laughs> right well i got something with the part the top two so number two on your list is wolf creek directed by greg mclean it stars john jarrett nathan phillips cassandra mcgrath and kesty morosi moracy um has a 54% from critics and a 49% from audiences, which I think is oddly low, um, considering, like, the history of this movie. And, like, you know, I thought it was more esteemed than that. Um, but you want to tell us, we, we did talk about Wolf Creek 2 quickly um, as a most disappointing this movie. Was sequel, yeah. Um, back in August of last year, episode 156, and did touch upon Wolf Creek briefly. But, um... Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about this uh, first movie and uh, why it's uh, number two on the list? Um, I'd call it a outback serial killer thriller, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're like like being precious with like the definitions of genres, uh-huh. um, follows a group of attractive twenty-somethings who are backpacking in Australia. Um, they're going out to see what do they call it the moon crater or whatever that's in like the outback mm-hmm. um, it's a long trip so on their way out there um, they basically run afoul after you know 
traveling out to the outback. They run afoul of um fuck. You know, I can't remember that guy's name. The main so I had all these yeah, I had all these Mick, things in my head. Mick Taylor. Yeah. Mick Taylor, um, played by John Jarrett, who one of my favorite Australian actors who's got a pretty wide range, like from playing heroes to, you know, this character. Um he's a psychopath. Um, a xenophobe, he kidnaps them basically and ends up like torturing them. And um, it's got some elements of like a little bit of like Texas Chainsaw in the sense of being trapped in a place where like it's obvious that the person that lives there is like insane and then mm-hmm. thinking you're getting away and then not getting away. Um, some pretty brutal kills in this movie. Um, and a pretty singular performance by Jared as uh, the Mick character. Um, I had no expectation um, for this movie when I saw it in 2005. This was something that I confused with Cry Wolf for the better part of a year because mm-hmm. we had posters up for him and I thought that they were the other. Um, and I used to like deride Cry Wolf, so I would like in this in my mind I derided this movie uh-huh. and was completely like amazed by how much um this is a theme for this movie and the one after it. Um just completely like surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie. And I'll say that when I when I saw Wolf Creek, um I was still in my like super pretentious um there's no good American horror like phase mm-hmm. um, where everything I wanted to watch was like foreign horror, um, yeah. you know, and in, in all fairness, like a couple years, like over the course of the years, we had like Calvary and um, there's some other movies. Uh, what's his name? Um, shit. The funny games guy. Um, right. All the Japanese and Korean and um, horror that was out. Um, Chanwoo Park. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff around this time that, like, I had no interest in, like, Western horror. And so, you know, like, ah, oh, this movie's gonna be so dumb. And then just completely impressed with the setup to the movie. I really like the fact um, that that McLean takes his time, like, with the characters um and putting like small creepy things like the encounter at the um, what is it like the rest stop i guess you would call it um the way that it's it's like like desaturates the light so everything feels like washed out and alien when they're traveling into the outback so you kind of feel like they are are leaving because it's like really colorful at the beginning and then it like fades and like dims a little bit like as they move so it feels like they're kind of leaving like the safety of society behind and they're kind of moving into the arms of this this maniac um and again i think i think that that jared is a fantastic actor and just captures like that almost like droll dry sense of humor that's a mask for just absolute like abject insanity that this character has um and maintains that throughout the entire time Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that actually makes Wolf Creek 2 so awful mm-hmm. is because they take, they just make Jared make it a caricature. Like he's yes. just, it's just joking and yeah. everything has to be, it's like everything's a one-liner as yep. opposed to mm-hmm. a pretty carefully like crafted, a guy that you could see like you would have a drink with at a bar or something and you know he makes you laugh and maybe he's a little like crass or whatever but still just like a normal person um and that's what makes it so menacing i think in in this movie um yeah just it you know takes place over a short period of time so there's an urgency to it um which i think a lot of the best horror hat does is like really kind of like whatever like encapsulates a small period so it feels like immediate and tense. Yeah. Um Mobile Freak does a really good job of that. So and I love Australian movies. I'm a sucker for the for the outback. <laughs> yes, you do. I so I admitted that I didn't mind 
the opening of this movie last year um because i watched wolf creek before again before i watched wolf creek 2 because i haven't watched it since 05 or whatever um but i did admit that that i that i liked it a lot better and it didn't bother me like the opening this time around um i did throw it on again last night and it still doesn't bother me, and I and I, I thought like a little bit more about it, and I think the reason, because that is one of the primary criticisms of this movie, is that nothing happens for so long. But I think the reason I reacted that way on, upon first watch is because I had seen the trailer, and I knew that there was a like lone killer, um, that it was a slasher movie, and knowing. I think if you went into this not knowing anything, I think it's probably actually would have been incredible to not know anything about it, like whatsoever. Even the fact that it's like a slasher movie. I think it works really well if you just showed, said, hey, don't read into this, just watch this horror movie. Because right. it, it, it gives you these red herrings at times of what could be going on. Um, and I think it would make it um, a lot more uneasy and creepier. But I... I still don't think they do enough probably like with those characters necessarily, but they do, I think make you, even though they're not the great, like some of them aren't the greatest like people or like people I wouldn't want to hang out with. I think they do enough to make you definitely sympathetic with the female characters being in that predicament beyond just the sympathy you would have for them. Anybody right. being in that predicament. Right. Um, uh, that you, that you definitely want to see them get out. Uh, I think the campfire scene um, of, like, Jarrett, like, slowly turning, um, like, and starting to be needled and, you know, um, reveal that there's, like, some sort of uh, menace to him yeah. is, a, is a really fantastic scene. I love the way he plays that scene. And the, uh, the yeah, like, her her trying to get away and like that cat and mouse is um one of the better examples of this time period of that cat yeah. and mouse stuff um it's it's a really good movie and i think i was uh back you know 2005 was really like thrown by that opening being so long um and that build but um it doesn't bother me as much anymore and i don't know why but now this is a really great movie and i think it's one of the um better slashers really of the of the decade to me so yeah Mea yeah culpa. yeah <laughs> some things i'll never never admit to being wrong on <clears throat> but this one i was uh, i was i was negative towards and it's it's a really good movie and and having seen wolf creek 2 <laughs> maybe that makes it even better because it's an actual fucking horror movie and it's not Mick fucking running over kangaroos and having one-liners about it. Right. Um, yeah, that, that that movie is... I, and I wonder sometimes if it's not just a parody of it because the first movie is so, like... Yeah. Kind of unrelentingly realistic in a lot of ways that... Sure. Uh, I don't know. It's just so grotesque that second movie in so many ways. Like I just, I, I just hate it. So there's a TV series apparently based on the the Mick character as well. Um, I don't know anything about it. I've never seen it. I didn't know until I actually like was reading about this tonight before we hmm. started talking about. It. So I'm going to try and look it up and see if I can find it because it is um, John Jarrett repli- reprising that role. So yeah, I. Th- when did when was that um 2016 okay yeah we did talk about it very briefly and we were both kind of surprised about it but um... no I, I was surprised again so I must let her remember <laughs> um it's the beauty of being me but yeah I can't remember I guess uh is it just Australian like only? yeah yeah yeah, because yeah, it looks like you got to pay for it. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh, Andy McPhee. Why do I know that guy? You're thinking of Nanny McPhee. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, I know this fucking guy. I think. 
Okay, I'll just pull them up and look later. I know him from something. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the right. Okay, second se- second season of Sons of Anarchy. He's in. He's the like Irish boss or whatever. That's where I know him from. He's very distinctive looking. Um. All right. Any final thoughts on Wolf Creek? No, just I think it's oh. definitely worth watching. Yeah. Um. All right, so number one on your list. Uh, the last time, do you want to guess what episode was the last time we talked about this, Frank? I have no idea. Three, four, hey, close. seven. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right around it. Um, episode six, top five sequels of the 2000s um, was the last time we talked about this. Um, and the movie is Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects. It stars Bill Mosley, Sherry Moon Zombie, Sid Haig, Ken Free, Leslie Easterbrook. Has 55% from critics and a 78% from audiences. Uh, so you want to refresh us a little bit about this movie and why it's number one on the list? Because um, it's amazing. I don't yeah, know. Right. Um, it's a sequel to uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, which is what, 03, I think, right? Or 02, something like something that. Something like that, yeah. Um a sequel in the loosest I, not, it's it's a direct sequel but it does so many different things than mm-hmm. thousand corpses and comes before um what three years ago's three from hell i think 2020 maybe yeah um it follows the firefly family who are a series of who are a group of uh, cannibalistic serial killers who live in texas um, just murder like passers-by through their uh, side, their roadside carnival or sideshow or whatever. Um, there's uh, Sid Haig's, um Fuck, I forgot his name. Uh, whatever. There's Sid Haig, there's Sherry Moon Zombie, and there's um, Bill Mosley, yeah. uh, who are the three main characters. Um, Sid Haig, who's like the father to kind of the bickering brother and sister act of Mosley and Jerry Moon Zombie. Um, and this movie is about them escaping, um, escaping from law enforcement while this sheriff tries to track them down um, and kind of becomes like a road road trip movie in a lot of ways, um, like a road trip from hell or something, a terrible tagline, but. <laughs> um and we talked about it a lot when we first talked about it and yeah i'm sure that we've mentioned devil's rejects a number of times because i think did we talk about three from hell and most disappointing it was that was also there yeah yeah um so we definitely talked about devil's rejects there yeah it's rob zombie and i share so many similarities in terms of what we like Mm -hmm. um in the horror genre we're both really big fans of like the 50 like the creature features from like the 30s and 40s like the universal monsters um the larger than life like kaiju type stuff from like the 50s and 60s we're both really big fans of grindhouse we both really love like 70s like exploitation films and you know the the italian zombie movies and just in general like we're very similar and so always really disappointing to me to watch rob zombies movies because i feel like i feel like he can never like seal the deal like he always has like really good ideas and there's things in every one of his movies that kind of fall apart or they're too goofy or they're too cartoony or i don't know and this is the movie where I feel like he gets everything right and actually creates some of the more iconic scenes in horror cinema in the past couple decades. Um, In particular, uh, there's a scene where um, uh, Bill Mosley's character, um, damn, it's so annoying. Otis Otis, Otis Driftwood, right. Yeah. Um, Baby baby Otis and Captain Spaulding. Captain Spaulding. Where Otis has taken this, they've they've kidnapped this group of country western singers 
Um, and Otis has taken one of them out um, to dig up a cache of guns that he has buried at this like abandoned, I don't know what you even call it, like industrial plant or something or farm. Um, and the guy knows that Otis is going to kill him and Otis knows that he's going to kill him. But the guy is so afraid of Otis, it'll do whatever he wants. And there's this, this shot like of looking up at Bill Mosley, like against like the blue sky, like just this like stark, like blue sky where he says, you know, I'm the devil and I come to do the devil's work, which I guess is what, like a Manson quote or whatever. Is, yeah. Um, But it's just like perfect, man. It's just this fucking like amazing the framing, the lighting, like the saturation of color, the way that Mosley is like kind of like the sun is like casting shadows on his face and he just looks it's like it's a perfect scene. And there's so much of that in this movie. The film stock that it's it's filmed on is like very um almost like reverential to like the seventies, like horror movies, like especially stuff like Texas Chainsaw. Um, and it captures that vibe. Like, it's just this perfect movie that feels like something that you would have seen in the 70s. You know, this, like, a natural extension of something like um, Last House on the Left, right? That right. has, like, these road trip elements and these humanizing elements with the people that are, like, definitely the people you should not be sympathizing with. But by giving them, like, these human characteristics, it makes it a more interesting film. Um I think that he, I think he does some things right in his Halloween movies a little bit, although I think they're a little too, a little too much, and I'm not a huge fan of them. Um, there's that one scene that we've talked about probably a dozen times on the podcast in House of a Thousand Corpses, where Walton Goggins is about to be executed, and the camera's like pulling up slowly, yeah. like holding off on like the anticipation yeah. of like that. Right, that gunshot, yeah. and then cuts to like the most extreme bird's eye, like that you can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's really not much in this movie that I don't like. I, I, there's one scene that always is excessive to me, and I know that it's zombie, like taking a shit basically on critics, but it's the the film critic, like talking about um, what is it, Charlie Chaplin movies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Um, I think that's like way too long and. Again, it's it's you know what it's similar to? It's like um Shyamalan, like yeah, having the critic whatever get, like savaged in yeah, yeah, Lady in the Water. Yes. Um it's it's Rob Zombie doing that. But that seriously sure. is the only scene in that whole movie that feels unnecessary and tacked on and self indulgent. Like everything else is just shit. I mean, he uses Freebird at the end of this movie. In the the most perfect way possible, and it makes sense, and yes. it works, and it right. doesn't feel like aggrandizing yes. or any. It's just Agreed. Really, really great use yeah. of like a song that's over. I mean, my my one complaint about this movie isn't the isn't the critic. It's um my one complaint. You know what this is um is is the truck hitting the woman after she runs out of the um um hotel motel. Yeah um i actually really love that scene so. yeah i can't stand it I, I i i don't think it ruins the scene but it feels like a i don't know it feels like a, a, com, a, a comedic uh like sense of catharsis or something after what i think is one of the greatest watching it again earlier this week um for the first time in a few years it's one of the greatest scenes to me in horror um is that hotel scene oh yeah it is as like um somebody who's like scared of home invasions and stuff like that it is absolutely and 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 i've it's worse to me now that i'm getting older it is absolutely horrifying that sequence and it shows you i think particularly otis um uh even more than baby firefly like he's this guy that you can't win with like he can turn phrases and turn things around on you so well that it's like 
somebody will say something and it'll be like oh well do you mean wh- what are you saying you're saying you think this like you know and then it's like and then criticize them for being weak-willed and it's like and it's just like you can't win with this guy because he's just going to do whatever the fuck he wants to do and you can't do nothing about it right yeah and it's an absolutely horrifying scene of like sexual assault and like cuckoldry and you know emasculation that takes place like throughout that whole thing um and uh, it's just extremely uncomfortable and i think is the thing that like really shows how awful those people really are before they actually turn and become kind of like your protagonist i guess because, like, you know, ultimately it ends up being that the sheriff is just as fucking awful and evil as they are. Oh, he's he's even worse in a lot well, of ways. Well, because he's a hypocrite. I mean, right. like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, but that scene's another just fantastic scene of, like, a thriller action type way, like, is is the, <clears throat> the sheriff in the room with the three of them um, is another just, like, great sequence. Um you know stapling like you know oh yeah like the what photos or whatever of like you know people they've murdered fucking amazing Um, but it's one of those things it's it's actually it's interesting and it's another thing that zombie like fails to do a lot of times is it's it's a good philosophical question of like what do you do when you're confronted with like evil and you have the chance to you know do you make them suffer in the way they've made other people suffer like is it okay or does it turn you into the monster as well if you yeah. like let yourself stoop to that level? Um, and ultimately, you do start to kind of sympathize for the you know Otis and Baby and and Spalding yeah. like in that situation. Um, oh, and then fuck, then there's the the other fucking fantastic sequence in that movie, which is um the the one that takes place right before the the scene with the sheriff stapling them is the um is the one where Diamond Dallas Page and um oh yeah the whorehouse when they Trejo like you know Trejo, coming in yeah. um you know like while they're all like kind of passed out from a night of partying and stuff like that um fantastic so yeah. so well done um yeah i mean it really is just like the perfect it's it's the it's one of the better sophomore efforts ever oh yeah um yeah definitely and then what did he do i mean it's I think I understand why I, I think I, I think having watched all this stuff now I think you're you're a little hard on him at times um, I understand but it's because there's so much there's so much promise there's in so much potential movies. in yeah. everything yeah. and it's just he falls short so many times I and agree. it just it just bothers me. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's also because again like we don't really talk about this much, but like White Zombie was one of my favorite bands throughout my teenage years. Like I love White Zombie and I still listen to White Zombie today. And again, he like he loves the things I love and I feel like it's one of those, you know, I wish I could have been a director of horror movies. Like that's was one of my dreams when I was young. Mm-hmm. And to watch somebody that has the same like passion for it that I do just put out like clunky movies most of the time. I don't know. Yeah. I I mean, you're, you're not a big fan of Halloween, right? I mean, it's okay. Yeah. It's just I like okay, it right? more than, I like it more than other people like it, I think, but yeah, I don't like what 43 is that what it's called? Um, 30, 31, 31. I think, I think, I think Lord's, I think Lords of Salem has some okay stuff, but I think it's too long and yes. and and it has plot problems. I think yeah. overall, like, but I I actually really like some stuff in Lords of Salem a lot. I think I think one of my biggest problems is just like Sherry Moon Zombie ain't always got to be your protagonist. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you can put somebody else in a movie once in a while because she does she can't she doesn't carry everything in the right way. I agree. I agree. You don't always need to like, like I love Ken Foree and Sid Haig and yeah. Leslie Easterbrook and Karen Black and all those people. And it's like, sure. you don't always have to fill. You're you're not Tarantino. Like you don't have to put 
like you know i don't know yeah i mean i do like the idea that like recently he's like developed some unknown talent like you know or lesser known talent i guess that like or people that don't get as much like always throwing daniel roebuck in his movies all the time um who's a guy i really like a lot um and then there's that like one guy that he's like taking a liking to um uh jeff daniel phillips who um you know played Herman Monster or whatever. His last two movies are his worst, um, which is Three from Hell and The Monsters. Um, yeah, I haven't seen The Monsters yet. I, I yeah. refuse. Yeah, it's it's Three, awful. Three from Hell was so disappointing, and I watched Three from Hell again. I don't know if we talked about that, but um, mm, after we talked about it last year. Yeah, after we talked about it last year, I watched it one more time just yeah. to see. Um, I I liked it more the second time I saw it than I did the first time. Uh-huh. And nothing changed in my opinion the third time, if that makes any sense. Gotcha. So yeah. Yeah. I was so disappointed the first time that like it made me hate it more than I think I should have hated it, but yeah. I still didn't think it was very good. So. Yeah, I actually was surprised by Halloween two and thought it was a bit better than actually Halloween one to me in some ways. But um All right. So um yeah. Uh any final thoughts on this list as a whole tonight, Frank? No, I'm looking forward to moving on to 2006. Yeah, that's, my, that's yeah. my thoughts. <laughs> hey, we ended up with two really good movies. There. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Two good, right. two really good, two decent, and yeah. one movie that I never want to see again. I got it with free. Yes. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Have a good night, deuces. <laughs>